every single Big Ten head coach is back for the 2022 season. So what does each one have to prove to keep the fan base happy going into next year? You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Big Ten, the show where you get everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday, Monday through Friday. I'm your host, Nate Dickinson, and thanks, as always, for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every single weekday. Coming up on today's show, yesterday we went over the biggest keys to success for each school in the Big Ten, but keys for a team and keys for a coach can be a little bit different sometimes. So as we go into the new season, what does each Big Ten coach need to do to prove himself, if anything, in 2022. It's an interesting conversation because, again, all Big Ten coaches are back this season, and we have a whole lot of coaches who are trying to accomplish different things, but also some trying to accomplish similar things, but in some very different situations in where they're at as far as the graces of their school and fan base go. Let's dive right into everything here. I've divided teams into a few different groups as to how I feel like they kind of fit in into what their coaches are expected of or what's expected of their coaches. Anyway, I have at the top of the list uh, the boring ones, the coaches who really have nothing to prove. And on this list, I have only two schools, both of them from the Big Ten West. You've got Wisconsin and you've got Iowa. Now, Paul Christ obviously is not in any danger of losing his job. We know that. And there's certainly something to be said if Wisconsin has yet another season that's so inconsistent on offense. So maybe there's some question marks that can pop up here. But as far as what he needs to prove as a coach, as well as what Ferentz needs to improve or needs to prove as the coach at Iowa, they're already proven. These two teams are battling back and forth for the Big Ten West every single season. And while you can say whatever you want about what happens when they actually get to Indianapolis and have to face off with a team from the East, as far as this side of the Big Ten goes, these two teams have dominated. And kind of without question, and rarely with a challenger. Minnesota's been there before. Uh, obviously, Northwestern went to a Big Ten title game a couple of years ago. But as far as year in and year out, nobody is better than these two guys. Kirk Ferentz and Paul Christ have what it takes, have been doing it forever, it seems now. In Ferentz's case, it's getting close to forever, longest tenured coach at one school in all of college football. Those two guys really have nothing to prove for him. As far as notes that I wrote on both of them, I mean, just looking at the Iowa side of it, I put, again, exactly nothing at all for that guy to prove. And for Wisconsin, just keep winning the Big Ten West. Stay competitive up there. Don't let yourself, I guess, fall down. And as far as like individual season stuff, Wisconsin and Iowa battling for the Big Ten West is typical. Minnesota might be there this season. Maybe a Nebraska is as good as we think it can be this season and gets in there. But as far as what these coaches need to prove, it's nothing. In an individual season, stay competitive, of course. But long term, these guys don't have to do anything to go into next season being like, oh, let's 
think about whether or not we should have this guy on the roster as our coach. No, that's not going to happen with either of those two teams. And it's not going to happen with a lot of other teams too. But I do think there are other teams who have something to prove still, such as Ryan Day of Ohio State, someone who you may have thought would be on that nothing to prove list. And as far as conventional college football success goes, he has nothing to prove. Ohio State has been clearly the most talented team in the Big Ten every year he's been there. He did take over the most talented team, but he's kept it there. People could argue that with the numbers Ohio State put up on offense last season, he's gotten that team to be even more impressive on the gridiron. It's a situation where really the only thing he needs to do is make sure he beats Michigan again. Because honestly, losing to Michigan once is what it is. Right now, Ohio State fans obviously aren't fans of it. They're not going to enjoy the rest of the year until that Michigan-Ohio State game when they get a chance at revenge. But it's still just one time right now. And I feel like Ohio State fans are still feeling far superior to Michigan and anybody else in the Big Ten. And to be honest, I don't think losing to Michigan a second time would even take them off that pedestal. But losing to Michigan for a second straight time if you're Ryan Day as still a relatively new Ohio State head coach, it starts to not bring up questions even, I would think, about his job. But the question's about, of course, why aren't you beating Michigan? That is the premier game in this conference. I, I mean, I put it as Ohio State's goals or things that Ryan Day needs to do to be successful, beat everyone, beat Michigan back to the playoff. The only thing that kept me from being like, this guy has nothing to prove here, is the fact that you lost to Michigan last year. It's something that, quite honestly, should be fixable with how good Ohio State's going to be this season. But, I mean, that's the game. I don't need to talk about how much of the game that is. For both those teams, you have to win that one to keep your job. Jim Harbaugh saw a lot of it over the last few years. He's getting a little bit of a break. Ryan Day is not on the hot seat. He's far from it. And he won't be on the hot seat if he loses to Michigan again this year. But if you're looking at, like, the only thing that you could question Ryan Day on, it would be losing to Michigan twice. Because to be quite honest, there are plenty of Ohio State fans who aren't happy losing to Michigan once. That's just the way it is. As far as Ohio State goes, again, beat everyone. But for Ryan Day, all you really need to do is just make sure you beat Michigan again. If you lose a non-conference game, that happens. If you lose to somebody else, not great, but it's not losing to Michigan. Cannot lose to the Wolverines twice in a row. That's when questions start getting asked, no matter how unfair it would be if it was going Ryan Day's way, because he's done an outstanding job. On the opposite side, Michigan's only goal is to beat Ohio State again. If you're Jim Harbaugh here, beating Ohio State was what saved you your job, really. There were talks of him being out after last season. Obviously, that was before the season, and Michigan went on this huge winning streak. But if Michigan had done all that and still ended up losing to Ohio State in the end, I still think Jim Harbaugh could have been gone after last season. It would have been another year with losses to Michigan State and Ohio State for him after a pretty consistent record of not being quite as good as Michigan fans want the Michigan Wolverines to be. So when you combine all of that together, I think Michigan's a team where when you look at it, you say, okay, Harbaugh's a good coach. But Michigan is not a normal situation. You have to beat Ohio State consistently. And while the one time's good, and it'll buy Jim Harbaugh plenty of time, 
you want to be able to start beating that team a little bit more consistently. And Jim Harbaugh, without a doubt, knows that. He's talked to it plenty. Both these coaches talk up this rivalry the way it should be talked up. But when Jim Harbaugh talks about it, he understands. And I feel like after what he's been through, he most acutely understands just how tied in beating Ohio State and keeping your job really, really are. I mean, if he wasn't a Michigan man, if he wasn't Jim Harbaugh, I don't know if he gets that chance last season to go up against the Buckeyes again. But let's move on. As we go down the list here, only other names I wanted to put into this group. In fact, you know what? We'll wait just a minute and get to because those are really the top of the top at least to worry about things that you have with head coaches. The rest of these schools, you have like the teams that are just trying to get a little better, but also those teams who are in the middle of the pack. And I'm thinking it's really interesting to get into that conversation and talk about what those coaches want to do to prove themselves. But before we get into that, LinkedIn Jobs is the place to go if you lose a head coaching job. Maybe if you don't do what you're supposed to do or prove what you needed to prove, you might be looking for a new job out there or a Big Ten coach might be as well. And when you do, you can go to LinkedIn Jobs to find the biggest marketplace of jobs, but also if you're an employer, the biggest pool of candidates out of anyone online. LinkedIn is, of course, the professional social network. And if you post your job on LinkedIn, you're looking at an 810-person network that you could connect with. Every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. You can post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's talk a little bit more here about the schools that I guess are in that, I don't know if it's a second or a third tier behind the top in the east and the top in the west. We've covered Wisconsin and Iowa and Ohio State and Michigan. And by the way, I don't know why I'm thinking about this now. I got a comment on Twitter that on yesterday's show, we actually didn't touch on Iowa's biggest keys to success last season. Uh, Sorry, uh, but luckily it's a pretty quick uh, explanation Iowa just needs to keep being in Iowa as far as the team goes we'll get we already talked about Ferentz he obviously has all the job security that he could want but as far as the team goes I mean just keep playing Iowa football ground and pound be strong in the trenches be tight on defense for the most part and in a wide open Big Ten West that has shown to be a formula to win especially if there's no dominant team on this side of the conference which there isn't and hasn't been in a while iowa is if you ask me the favorites to win the conference just about every year it's or win that side of the conference i should say just about every year between them and wisconsin it switches back and forth but i would imagine that most of the years i would be picking iowa to win the big 10 west if i was just going in blind in a year like this where it seems like seemingly anything can happen. It's up for grabs, really, and we'll have to spend more episodes talking about that side of things for sure. Anywho, back on to my next group of schools. These are teams who are on the way up and in some cases either need to just keep going up or, hey, it's about time you really get it going here. Uh, the schools who just need to keep going up, if you ask me, Michigan State and Minnesota. Uh, Mel Tucker has done just about everything you could ask for him in his first years at Michigan State. Put Michigan State in a spot where they're beating Michigan. Biggest game of the season for them, of course. Put Michigan State on a pedestal where in that kind of Big Ten triangle where you have Ohio State and Michigan right there, Michigan State was right next to him competing again. 
He's building a culture that you think really is just working from what you've seen from players and fans alike. And I think for him, it's less about what he needs to prove and more about how high now can you go. That's Michigan State. The school, Minnesota, similar to it, has a similar situation with P.J. Fleck. In that in 2020, there was a bit of a down year with the pandemic for the Gophers. But in 2019, they obviously had the double-digit win season. In 2021, they have, I think it was eight or nine wins, beat Wisconsin, which was huge for that program, being able to bring the axe back. But with P.J. Fleck, you also still, I think, have a little bit of a lingering expectation to get to that even next-next level. And after the 2020 letdown of a season, I feel like Gopher fans are like, all right, 2019 was outstanding. 2020, setback, pandemic. 2021, we got back on track. Now 2022, let's really break things open. And the roster doesn't exactly line up with that. Minnesota lost some good players to the NFL. But at the same time, Tanner Morgan's back. Mo Ibrahim's back in the backfield for Minnesota. There's enough pieces still there that you can feel like, okay, this, at the very least, should not be the same kind of letdown that we saw after 2019, whether you want to blame that on departures, new players, pandemic, any of it. What you're seeing now in 2022 is, I think, people being like, all right, we're pretty, pretty sure P.J. Flex a really good coach. But if he falters again this season, it's kind of back to the questions that we had after 2020. Why did that happen? Why was this team so... And if you watch those two teams... Differences are obvious, and how much better that one team was than another was obvious, too. So it's like, okay, why can this team be so good one year and then fall apart in such a way in another? Minnesota fans are hoping it was just a pandemic in 2020 that really ruffled all the feathers and that they're back on track now. But this is what P.J. Fleck needs to prove. Other school I had in this group of three is the Purdue Boilermakers on the west side. I guess Minnesota on the West too. But the point is Purdue on the West side has a coach in Jeff Brom who has been good and in last season was really good, brought Purdue to its best record since 2003, the best record that he's had as the head coach of the Boilermakers. But I think if you're a Purdue fan, looking at that Big Ten West, it's kind of Big Ten title game or bust right now. Not for Jeff Brom's job, of course. This this isn't less. This is less about the hot seat and more about again. What do you want to prove the upcoming season? And if I'm Jeff Brom right now, I'm looking at a team that has a fan base that's been excited for a little while right now about my head coaching regime. That win against Ohio State was a few years ago now, right? That was the one that kind of clicked and put Purdue back on. Oh, okay, this team isn't bottom of the barrel Big Ten. How good can they get? And now you're going into another year with Aiden O'Connell. Another year with this Jeff Brom offense that is and is supposed to be really, really fun to watch. And you put all that together and you realize that while Jeff Brom's been really good, he's never had a season as good as Mel Tucker. He's never had a season as good as P.J. Fleck did at Minnesota in 2019. There's another step up for Jeff Brom to take. And while Fleck and Tucker, I say it's less about how low can the expectations get or how low can the bar go and really how high they can fly with Brom. I think you're at a point where you're transitioning from excited about the future to getting to, okay, now when is the future coming? 
When are we going to actually see the things that we're be seeing flashes of and have that translate into a record on the field? And again, with the West side of the conference so, so up for grabs, I think this is the year that if you're a Purdue fan, you're not saying that, again, Jeff Brom's job or even your confidence in him depends on it. But I'm looking at this upcoming season and thinking, as a Purdue fan that has not really ever had a really legitimate shot at the Big Ten West until, I don't know, maybe you thought last year you did for a little bit, I'm going into this season maybe more confident than I have been in being able to win that division than in the last decade plus. I don't know exactly what it would be. I'll have to look it up. But that, I think, is the real, real kind of maybe biggest weight on your shoulders for a coach who doesn't actually have any sort of like hot seat under him, right? Because Jeff Brom's not getting fired or anything after this season. We'll talk about coaches who could be in that category in a minute. But as far as like the expectation to really, really succeed, Jeff Brom might have the most on him, except for maybe Scott Frost, who we'll talk about in a second as well. As far as like the bar is set pretty high, and if you don't pass it, there are going to be some legitimate questions here about what you can do as a head coach. That's on him. That's because of the success that he's put on this team and on the field. But because he's done well, the expectations have, of course, gotten a little bit higher. Uh, the two kind of middle-of-the-pack coaches I had here was James Franklin and Mike Loxley. Uh, these two guys are in weird spots in that James Franklin isn't going anywhere. I don't think Mike Loxley is going anywhere quite yet either. But, I mean, if you're Loxley, you're looking to have the best season of your coaching career here. Establish Maryland as someone who, like, can really, really play in the Big Ten. Again, there was some of that last season. But this program just has not been up to snuff since joining the conference. And if you're Loxley now, I think if you can put together another winning season. I mean, you talk about job security. If he can prove that he can make Rutgers at least a competitive Big Ten team, consistently year after year after year. I mean, that's what I'm talking about in like the difference in expectations. Jeff Brown, we're talking about if you don't make the Big Ten title game, there might be some questions about what you can do. Meanwhile, over at Maryland, you're looking at a guy where it's like, okay, if you can just put together 500 seasons consistently, you are going to think you're the best coach we've had in however long it's been. That's what I'm talking about really with the Brom stuff and with, of course, Loxley as well. On the Penn State side, James Franklin, I think, is a really good coach. I don't think Penn State fans are doubting him all that much. I do think that there's a very, very urgent need to prove that the last two years were a fluke, whether it be pandemic or otherwise, like we said with Minnesota, and really just get back to being Penn State football. Because the Nittany Lions fans have been missing being in this conversation when you've had the Michigan State, the Michigan, the Ohio State teams fighting all the way until the end of the season last year. Penn State wasn't in on that. Penn State's kind of used to being at least in on the conversation, even if it's behind a Michigan or Ohio State. So with Penn State then having two less than optimal years, I think getting back on track is the goal for James Franklin. Just prove that... What happened the last two seasons is not an indication of what you are as a head coach now. Because if you start stringing those together, that's when questions start to come up. I don't think there are a ton of them behind James Franklin at the moment. But I, I do think they could start, of course, if Penn State doesn't pick it up this season. 
I have a group of four schools next that really are at the bottom of the expectations side of things. So what their coaches need to prove is minimal, but there's still things to be proven. Uh, Indiana and Northwestern, I put in very, very similar boats here. Both Tom Allen and Fitzgerald. I don't know why I absolutely spaced on that name. I was thinking of saying Fitzpatrick at first, but Fitzgerald, either way. Both those coaches, I think, are loved by their fan bases. Even after terrible seasons last year. I mean, Northwestern went to a Big Ten title game two years ago. Tom Allen has put in a culture in Bloomington that I think is strong and can bear through a couple of bad seasons. But at the same time, he can't keep having bad seasons, right? So these two guys are like, you're not on the hot seat, but you obviously need to get better. I think it was, what, five wins combined with those two teams? Maybe six? So when you look at those two squads, for me, it's like, okay, coaches don't need to save their jobs this season. I think that's the big distinction. These guys I don't think are going anywhere, even if they have another bad year. But you need to start turning it around. You need to start showing that promise. And you need to keep, uh, to be quite honest, spreading that culture. Because that's what I think is keeping those guys around too. What Indiana and Northwestern have there in what they build in their team is what I think those fans and the people in the front offices making the decisions are really, really relying and banking on, on top of, of course, being good enough football coaches. Last two teams, last three teams, but last two in this group, Rutgers and Illinois. Uh, uh, to be quite honest, not a lot of expectations here, so it's like, okay, what do you have to prove? Greg Schiano kind of just proved that you still got it. I think that he's in a situation where the seat is much cooler for him because of the previous tenure that he had with Rutgers and the Scarlet Knights. He's a legacy coach, if you want to call it that. But he has yet to bring Rutgers back to being a good Big Ten football team since his return. And to be honest, to be fair, it takes time to do that. So maybe that's like what one of the things he should prove is, is that, hey, this build I've been doing since coming back, this is kind of like the first or second year maybe that he's even getting guys that like he recruited and was in his recruiting class out there on the field when these guys from these classes are going to be juniors and seniors. So he still hasn't really had a chance to get his guys out there. But this is one of those times where he's going to get kind of a first look here at what he has put together in the rebuild. And when you get to what would be what, like a third straight under 500 season, you have to start asking questions, even if this is a guy who is a storied coach in your school's history, as Shiano is. As with Bielema at Illinois, uh, just keep rebuilding, keep growing that culture. I don't think he has trouble doing that with the Illini, but at the same time, you, as far as something to prove, I mean, you got to put something for every team, right? So expectations are terribly low still for Brett Bielema, but he, he's still starting out too. So I guess just keep building, keep building that culture. And then the most interesting one, of course, of them all, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. I mentioned before with Jeff Brom, the guy who has like, the kind of expectations where it's kind of unfair that we criticize him even if he doesn't pass them. Not exactly the same case with what we have here with Scott Frost at Nebraska, but he's going into a fifth season with this team. And I was thinking about it earlier. I mean, if he goes under 500 again, I bet the list is very, very short of coaches who have gone under 500 with a team 
for five straight seasons. At least maybe in like recent memory in the Power Five, because I could see way, way old time coaches just being the coaches for their teams whenever. But as far as getting a shot at a Power Five school and getting five different chances to at least put together a winning record, at least go to a bowl game and not having done it, Scott Frost should have very low expectations on him, right? I mean, this team's been bottom of the barrel in the Big Ten for a long time. Showed promise last season, but is still in kind of a spot where, like, I'd say a normal coach in a normal situation with a normal rebuild going. You look at those records and you're like, okay, maybe they get to bowl eligibility this season. But Scott Frost has an expectation surrounding him now to not only, like, get to 500, but some are saying compete in the Big Ten West. So when you talk about, like, the biggest gap between what you're expected and what you've been doing, it's easily, of course, Scott Frost with the Cornhuskers. I mean, he's on the hot seat, of course. I don't expect Nebraska to be that good. But I also would have a year ago or six months ago told you that I didn't expect Scott Frost to be the head coach of this football team any longer either. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But as far as what each coach needs to prove this season, Scott Frost obviously has the most. Aside from that, I mean, we talked about it. All the Big Ten coaches are back. I don't know if I see any of them going unless someone goes to the pros or something along those lines. I don't know who loses their job this offseason. Maybe Shiano. Maybe Mike Loxley if there's not any improvement and a big step back. But aside from that, I don't think any of these teams are getting rid of their coaches. And obviously, we saw throughout the course of last season a whole lot of teams doing quite the opposite, signing a whole lot of guys to really big extensions, too. So obviously, a lot of coaches in the Big Ten aren't going anywhere. I wouldn't be surprised if Scott Frost can live up to the billing. If, once again, we see for a second straight year, no turnover in Big Ten coaches. But that's a conversation for way, 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 way down the road. I'm not all that worried about that at the moment. We're going to wrap things up with some news from around the Big Ten here on Locked On Big Ten in just a moment. But first, Built Bar is the place to go if you're looking to get yourself through the day, through your workout, or whatever it may be. Built Bar has all of the products that you could need to make sure that you're getting the nutrition while also enjoying yourself too. Something that it seems like some protein companies have forgotten about. Protein bars don't taste great, usually. Built Bars do. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They've got new flavors coming out all the time. And if you want to try out their new Built Puff Bars, which are chocolate wrapped around marshmallow instead of chocolate wrapped around protein bar, you can check them out right now at Built.com with all sorts of new flavors, including Coconut Brownie Chunk, one of the favorite Built Bar flavors put into a Built Puff Head it on over to built.com right now and check it all out. Because again, they're coming out with new stuff all the time. If you're a fan, you want to check out and see what the latest updates and flavors are. And if you use the product, of course, use our code LOCKED15 at built.com. Get yourself 15% off. Let them know that we're sending you over there. Help us help each other out here as we wrap things up on Locked On Big Ten. Built Bar, again, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. So news around the conference as we wrap things up. Uh, quick notes, Volleyball World TV will be broadcasting more than 70 Big Ten volleyball games. A huge, huge break for just volleyball in general. 
Big Ten, obviously the powerhouse in all of the country. So not only something that's cool for the Big Ten, but something that could be like a momentum building for just building and growing this entire sport. Because outside of the Olympics, college volleyball is kind of where it's at, where volleyball goes. Uh, in other news, St. Saint Paul, Saint Paul Pioneer Press's Charlie Walters said the Big 12 is quietly pursuing the University of Minnesota. I wasn't sure what to make of this report. Uh, Walters put together just some like kind of notes and things from reports that he's put together and columns that he does over in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And, and he said, again, that the Big 12 has, quote, quietly been pursuing the Gophers. There's no way that happens. Big 12 can say whatever it wants. Big 12 can go after whoever it wants. As long as Minnesota is winning, which it is, but even if it wasn't making money, which it will be, and in a much bigger way than the Big 12 will be very soon, there's no way for anyone to leave. There's no way anybody will leave. There are only going to be teams coming into the Big Ten Conference until the Big Ten decides it wants to push teams out. That is the way that this media rights deal is going to go, at least for the next couple of years, until somebody else makes a bigger media rights deal. I would guess the only conference that has that power, even in the future, would be the SEC. So as far as I'm concerned, as far as losing Big Ten teams go, that's not a concern. It should never have been a concern to anyone in the Big Ten. I would imagine nobody is really thinking about that idea that a team could elect to leave the Big Ten right now. I don't know what Charlie Walters, again, from the St. Paul Pioneer Press, is hearing or who he's talking to, but whoever that person is, I would imagine doesn't really get how this works. Because again, I, Big 12 can say whatever they want, but Minnesota ain't coming. Uh, other news, Josiah Harris is transferring to Rutgers, a former four-star defensive end who had played at Texas A&M. That's going to be a big, big addition to the Rutgers football roster. And finally, Lincoln Riley says the Big Ten can help a school like USC with recruiting right away. He mentioned uh, being able to play in big media markets, get the exposure out there. And I'm with him and that this helps overall. But I guess I would say that the only downside is that it doesn't help USC and UCLA as much as it helps the other teams around the conference. Because if you have a guy in Ohio who's thinking about Ohio State, right? That kid's not going to be like, oh, I have to go to California once a year? No, I don't think I can do that. I want to stay close to home. Meanwhile, well, on the USC side, if you're recruiting a kid from LA and you're like, hey, come stay close to home and play for us. Oh, and by the way, by close to home, I mean that every other week you're going to be traveling across the country all of the fall. That could matter. I don't think it matters all that much because again, it's a situation where a guy maybe three days out of every two weeks is away from home. Like people from LA who commit to LA schools aren't doing it because they're going to be playing football in front of their fans and fam friends and family every day, every week. That's part of it. But also part of it is the fact that they're going to be living close to their friends and family in every second where they're not doing the football. It can be easy for us to forget that there are the other things that go on in a student athlete's life aside from football. So when you're talking about like, okay, a few days every couple of weeks we'll be traveling, I don't think it'll matter a ton to any recruits really. And I do think, again, it's a positive for a team like USC over staying in the Pac-12. 
But as far as like relative to the other Big Ten teams, if you get a guy who's like, hey, I want to stay close to home, be close to home. I don't want to travel across the country all the time. I want my parents to be at every single game. Then that might matter. Again, I don't see it happening very often, but I know it's not going to happen at Ohio State. I know it's not going to happen when Michigan's recruiting a kid from Michigan. He's not worried about having to go to UCLA once every other year. Just not the case. I don't think it's the case really for a Pac-12 team, but maybe a little bit more. We'll see. This has been Locked On Big Ten. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the program. I'm Nate Dickinson. Coming up tomorrow, we got more on anything that's going on in Big Ten football news. At some point, I don't know if it'll be tomorrow's show or not, if I'll have enough time to get enough information prepped up for you. I want to get into the new coordinators in Big Ten football because there are a lot of guys coming in at really, really key positions around the Big Ten. While we have all our head coaches back, there has been a whole lot of turnover in coordinators. We need to get into that conversation. I don't know if that'll be tomorrow, later in the week, maybe early next week, try and talk to somebody who really, really knows the stuff about it. But until tomorrow, this again has been Locked On Big Ten. Be sure to tune in to all the other conference shows across the Locked On Network. We have them for every conference. Tune into your individual school's show. If you're a fan of the Big Ten, you probably have a favorite team, and we probably have a podcast that covers it every single weekday. Locked On Golden Gophers, Locked On Cornhuskers just started up. Locked On Nittany Lions is back again. All of that, if you want to get news on the Big Ten and your school every day, tune in to us at Locked On Big Ten and everyone around the Locked On network of Big Ten podcasts. It's Locked On Big Ten wherever you get your podcasts, YouTube, on Twitter, Locked On Big One Zero. I'm at Nate with sports on Twitter. Until tomorrow, this has been Locked On Big Ten.